The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. I am. <laughs> oh, we'll explain this in a second. I am at the table with the good-looking Matt, the bad-looking Matt, Dave, Steve, and Ben. So, <laughs> so there's six of us at the table, but only five microphones. So, what everyone's laughing at is the fact that I am effectively sitting on Ben's lap. <laughs> We're getting nice and close and. Quite comfortable. Well, yeah. it's winter and I'm feeling really warm, so it's quite good. I don't, I don't actually see the downsides of this arrangement. <laughs> We're in Queensland, bro. There's no such thing as, as cold in Queensland. Oh, what are you get, off, about? get off Dave's bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> there is Mate, such thing as cold. <laughs> We're under 18 degrees. It's cold. <laughs> oh. Okay, how many people are sitting at this table wearing shorts right now? It's so like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> the one complaining about it being cold. It's not, it's not cold right now. <laughs> Hey, I was excited. It was cool enough to pull out my leather jacket tonight, so I'm happy. I know you came in looking like a, a regular bikey. I know, and I don't even have a motorcycle license. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Matt, on the other hand, you did arrive on yeah, a bike. Yeah, and that's so. the only reason I actually wore jeans. Otherwise, I would have worn shorts. Yeah, thank you. I, yeah, no, that's all right. <laughs> thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm supporting you. I don't know what side I'm on here. But <laughs> you bring the little cafe race wrap for a bell? Mate, I surely did. You know, it's, it's beautiful. I had a prayer on the way, you know, on the way here. I'd have yeah. a prayer too, right in Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh well uh, before we get into uh, tonight's topic which uh, is it's kind of great we've started on a really light point but it's a very heavy topic it and is, so this yeah. is actually a good balance um before we get started we typically have our icebreaker question and and today is when was the last time that you did something that you either really enjoyed or were proud of so what do you, what do you got Matt, you before we started, you were like, I've got something for this. So yeah, like, I'm just going to throw you in the Matt? water straight yeah. up. So. Uh, yeah, well, this evening before uh, we were recording, I made chai. Um, and I made it for Luke and Dave, and they've never had chai before, and they uh, they really enjoyed it. So I'm pretty proud of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke sent a video to Kevin Wilson, and so, you know, I got my little five seconds of, uh, you know... Fame. Well, not, not, <laughs> I guess not really fame. It was just, you know, recognition, recognition <laughs> of, you know... Uh, sharing chai that I'd learned from from him and his TikTok videos mm. to uh, to other members here. Mm. Yeah, uh, shout out to you, <laughs> shout out to you, Kevin, because you are an awesome guy in so many ways. And so yeah, we're really uh, really blessed to know you. So. If you ever come over to the uh, the proper land of the free mate, you can make us some chai. It'll be a good night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Come record with us. This is this is your official invitation. Uh, actually, speaking of that, I was talking to someone uh, just this week that was looking at prices because they were talking about coming to Australia from America mm-hmm. and they're looking at, at uh, airfares and airfares now are like like he said for him and his wife to come over it was like four and a half grand or something mm. like that US yeah. money it's crazy oh, like, mm. whoa like that's prohibitive <laughs> like straight up oh you gotta pay to come to the great land of Australia so. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pay to come to the uh, the secret secret no no country man you know it's behind the ice fall <laughs> you know <laughs> Flat Earth theory, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> I'm not up to speed on my flat Earth. <laughs> Don't you know we're all working for NASA? <laughs> yeah. That's right. There's no such thing as Australians. <laughs> oh man, Steve, you're waving. You tell him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was trying to subtly indicate that. Um, <laughs> well done. We're, yes. Thank you. We're 
Luke purchased a new set of microphones, which we are Testing. using for the first mm. time. Yeah, mm-hmm. breaking in. And that's uh, something you're proud of. <laughs> nope, I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, 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 yes. You're grateful for that. Yes, yes. Gra- yeah. grateful, but yes, was, yeah. that wasn't actually, my thing. Not that I think this isn't what you meant, Steve, but. Um, when you say Luke purchased them, yes, Luke ordered them, oh, but yes. you guys actually bought them for us. Yes, and so, you. yes. As in the audience. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Not us. Yes, <laughs> as in the audience. So, yes, thank you so, so much for supporting us. Probably yeah. going still around the circle. Yes. Ben, what are you proud of? Most recent thing. Today, I actually put in my application to move from a limited to a full CPA public practice license. So, I'm pretty... Woo, yeah. yeah. So once once that gets approval, I am uh, fully licensed with my public practice. So that means that I'm a um, my firm is fully CPA approved, and I'm I'm all good. Excellent. Because nice. currently I'm on a time limit. They give you a limited one and a limited amount of time to get there. So I'm really happy. I've jumped through all the hoops to make that happen. Nice. Cool. Very good. All right. Let's let's keep the the ring going, Steve. Yes, um, something I enjoy doing. Was that it? Uh, it was. <laughs> what was the last thing you did that you either really enjoyed okay. or were proud of? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I got a couple of jobs out this week that mm-hmm. I was pretty proud of. Um, like they probably weren't a hundred percent. I've had a few issues recently, but they they were pretty good jobs, and I like seeing the results because with Savang you kind of measure stuff and you just see lines, but when you get it back to the office and can actually see like the 3d model you produce you can actually about like judge the quality of your work and it's pretty can be pretty proud of some of those models mm-hmm. Solid, nice man. that's yeah. really cool man. Mm. dave yeah i don't know just trying to think of something i don't know I, w- I may have already shared this before but um some of the kids in my Sabbath school group have been um, asking to be baptised. So um, oh. I've been doing baptismal studies with a bunch of them for a while. And every time we get toward the end with one lot, uh, another kid or another couple of kids put their hand up. So awesome. yeah, I'm pretty proud of that, you know, because that's, that's years of work from NATO, myself and Ore now, mm. um, you know, just trying to give the kids a solid platform and, and I guess help them to see that there's, there's something to like about, you know, church and, and mm. being a Christian and, you know being hand in hand with god so um mm. yeah i feel really proud of them and mm. you know proud of the work that we've put into um just be a, a cog in that journey you know yeah we mm. don't take all the credit they've got fantastic parents and mm-hmm. so on that um sort of lead them in the right direction we just put the finishing touches on sometimes and it's, mm. it's an honor to be part of the process mm-hmm. and for myself i just enjoyed the public holiday today mm. like just spending time actually just at home with family like, that is something that is amazing. So <laughs> you're telling us that you're proud of unionised work conditions? <laughs> I, am, I, am. I am. I'm grateful to live in a country of public holidays. <laughs> I feel so bad right now because I actually didn't know today was a public holiday. <laughs> uh, so for me, a couple of things. Um, one is uh, just a simple thing, and that was last week I um, ran a, a personal best as far as uh, my running goes, which was pretty cool. Um, really happy about that. The other, th- the other one was uh, tied into what Steve was saying before about the mics. Just uh, you know, we've been 
working on the podcast for years. You know, we've been doing this for a really long time and we have always sort of had, when I say always, like at least for the last few years, we've had in the back of our minds, you know, upgrading and starting to do video and all those sort of things, but nothing has lined up. And uh, we've just started doing the, the fundraising over the last few months, as you guys would have known, you know, seen on our social media and that. And it's just all come together and, you know, we've, everything's been funded just in the last few days and uh, we've ordered a bunch of stuff. It's all coming in the post and hence, you know, the first part of the package is these mics. And mm-hmm. I just feel like uh, that is something that has, we've been working on for years and now we're actually seeing like really um, significant, uh, I guess, yeah, tangible evidence of the fact that people care about what we're doing and what we're doing is valuable to people. And, and that, that's a pretty awesome thing. Yeah, we certainly wouldn't be here without all your support. Yeah. And especially moving towards video, I mean, the amount of um, donations come in, the amount of support and love everyone has given us has been absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, we'll be doing video thanks to all of you. Mm, definitely. So um, just to shift gears to get into our the actual topic that we've been focused this uh, focused this episode on, uh, it actually came from, from De Rossi, came from mm. you, Matt. So um, can mm. you give us like the background of where this question came from? Yeah, so look, um, we're going to talk about euthanasia tonight. Well, yeah. the main reason why it popped in my head was because I am a case manager and I work in community care over 65s. And a lot of the time there was this one particular week, was it last week, Luke, I think? Yeah, or last the week. week before, think, yeah. yeah. It was just the whole week I had clients ringing me up saying, you know, that people who have these, I guess, 12 months to live and they're just, you know, they're just really down. They just want to say, I just want to end it all. And this one lady I spoke to, she's 94. And all she does um, is waiting to die. She's got um, chronic chronic pain. She's like a, got a fuse spine. It's just in her lower spine. It's just constantly throbbing all the time. It's just bone on bone. She moves from the bed to the sofa, bathroom, bed to sofa. And that's all she does. She's just living to die. And one of the things she said to me was, Matt, you know, God cares, you know, gives us care for the animals and stuff like that. So why would... You know, and when, when there's an animal suffering, he would in charge us to put them down. So why doesn't, you know, God allow us to be put down when we're suffering pain? And that's something that really touched me. That was, that was hard to hear. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't, you know, thought about it necessarily that way. Because I'm like, and life? You're crazy. What are you talking about? But <laughs> when you're not as a 20-something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've got, I can live forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's what prompted it. And I'm like, hey... I know a bunch of blokes who like to have a bit of a chat and a bit of a yarn about different um, you know, topics. So let's you know, put it out there and see what everyone thought about it or have you actually thought about it. Yeah, yeah. I, well, it's certainly on a lot of people's actual minds and thoughts, particularly this week, because uh, euthanasia bill actually is going mm. through our state parliament at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see if that passes because it's, it's exactly what we're talking about tonight and it may become a reality where we live. Mm. 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 Yeah. So I guess one of the things that we sort of have to deal with first is what do we mean by mm. euthanasia? Because, yeah. you know, there's a, a pretty broad spectrum of what that could mean. Mm. Like, I mean, that, that could be anything from you know, withdrawing treatment so people die, or that can go all the way up the other end to actively ending somebody's life. Mm. So, yeah, what it, when we talk about euthanasia being good or bad whatever side of the fence that you want to stand on we have to sort of define i guess what we're what we're talking about so i don't know do you guys have any thoughts about like where we should confine our our definition for the sake of the discussion well i'm, I'm thinking currently through our um 
because it like I said we we're going through the going through Parliament at the moment because one of the things we already have is the withdrawal of treatments hmm. um, you can put in a um, do not resuscitate um, um, and we were actually talking about families can actually um, choose to remove observations for patients and things um, hmm. because um, I wasn't aware of this. You guys were just telling me that if they find a new symptom, then they've got to go legally go through the whole process of dealing with the new Treatment. symptom and finding out what's going on. Whereas if you withdraw that, it allows the person then to more speedily um, die without all the invasion of um, the medical procedures. So I think because we already have that in our system, we should move to more towards what we're talking about legislating, which is more the active of, um, you know, um, medical inter uh, intervention, so actually going out of their way to um, bring somebody's life to an end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So probably the, the key thing, and this is just off medical news, um, but like obviously the two things that come into close, uh, close correlation with euthanasia, uh, the other topic is uh, assisted suicide. Um, and it's clear that there is a distinction between them. Uh, euthanasia is when um, a doctor assists in the painless death of someone who is suffering from like a, a terminal illness um, or, you know, a severe pain towards the end of their life. So hmm. pretty much euthanasia is when someone is effectively already dying. Um, it just speeds it up and makes it painless for them. And assisted suicide is obviously where medical professionals assist in the, the killing of someone who may not have those um, yeah, health have complications. They just hmm. don't choose to live. So it's clear that we're talking about euthanasia, not assisted suicide uh, in this episode. Um, just because I think if we try to talk about both, they're just so... Uh, while it's easy for some people to maybe try and draw a line between the two, I think we understand there's a lot more nuance between um, euthanasia and assisted suicide. So assisted suicide probably needs its own uh, arena to speak in. Um, but yeah, euthanasia obviously we're talking about as people who are dying, who are terminal... Um, and in great deals of pain, and then this is an option for them to, uh, to to pass on in a much more peaceful way than just like you were saying, Maddie, just uh, living to die. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, suffering. Mm -hmm. Well, would you include in that like chronic pain? Because you can get, well, you can have autoimmune diseases or something like that that you can live with from your teens that just invalid you. Would you consider that? assisted suicide like is there are you mm. putting an age limit on it like you're saying like or you know all, all the medical definition is really it says they're suffering from an incurable or painful disease and it's irreversible yeah okay yeah mm -hmm. so okay. Okay. Po possibly um some sort of chronic pain diseases may fall into that uh that afflict people at, at younger ages um like i said it's it's more just making sure there's a direct mm. line that euthanasia isn't just yeah. like you know hey, plug me into a, a chair and inject me for the sake of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. euthanasia is only given to people who are in these, you know, severe... Situations. Um, yeah. 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 As an example, um, in Victoria, in Australia, uh, I was looking at one of the um, documents that they have because they also have this already legislated, it's already active. I was talking to, uh, in our... Um, AQT think tank in, in our messenger group one of the guys in there his, his wife is a nurse and um, they were they were um, her department was um, organising this for a patient just 
I think this week. So this is something that was top of their minds as well. But uh, the definition that they used, I mean, it's longer than this, but one of the key things is that their prognosis is like six to 12 months. Like, so mm. that they will... Yeah, put a time frame. Yeah, there's yeah. a time frame on it. So they won't end life for anything that's not going to be lethal like within six months for, okay. for, for, for the most, most yeah, part. So but, and, and, and that can change though between legislations too. Of course. So. I'm just giving an example of like the way they're limiting it to end of life. It's, yeah. it's not just for, you know, pain or whatever. It, it's, yeah, end of life uh, options, I guess you could say. Yeah. So anyway, but having that as our definition then, uh, what do you what do you guys think would be the the... I don't know some of the, these key issues because I mean obviously I want to I want to treat both sides of the topic with uh, with grace and care because I know there's going to be a lot of people on both sides of this that <laughs> yeah. either the ones that have experienced it and they've got hard uh, strong feelings one way or the other or whatever the case so I, w- I want to talk about both sides of the issue but uh, I don't know does anyone want to kick off the the ideas of why you would go for it either pro or against I think probably the the big issue that we find and we can flesh it out as we go back around the table. Yeah. Um, but it's the idea of sanctity of life yeah. versus like human dignity. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the key correlation between them. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this idea that all life is sacred. It's been, you know, it, it God's had a plan and a, and a purpose mm-hmm. for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other part of that, that scale is like, you know, people in the conditions you were talking about, Dorossi, where, um, they are effectively um, immobile. They're just going through a 24-hour motion every single day, just waiting for the end. Mm. Um, you know, so at that point, obviously, they feel like their their life is worthless anyway. Mm. They're not able to contribute in any meaningful way for themselves. So they just feel like it's better to, you know, to have gone to go out before things get perhaps even harder for the families. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. I was reading uh, both, uh, you know, pro and anti um, responses this week, just as I, I was thinking about this topic. And one of the things that I noticed is that I, I feel like there's a lot of emotional investment on both sides of the fence. Oh yeah. And so when I read the defence for both cases, I found uh, a lot on both sides, might I add, but probably more so on one. But on both sides of the fence. I found them taking uh, like Bible verses way out of context <laughs> to try to defend the position. And I say that on both sides. I, I think that happened a lot more on the side that would be a- against euthanasia. I, I found a lot more uh, Bible verses that I, I think were taking taken way out. But probably if I had to pick the a couple of the strongest ideas to, to sort of fo- focus on that perspective... One would be similar to what you were saying, Matt, that uh, basically life is a sacred gift from God. So they, they uh, point to creation, Genesis chapter 2, that you know God is the one that gives life. And if we go and take someone's life, then we're usurping God's authority. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're taking those matters into our own hands. And so therefore we shouldn't do it. That's the reasoning. I mean, some people even call it murder. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Because it's premeditated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and... One that I came across that I hadn't thought about before, they they cite Romans 5.3 where it talks about suffering producing endurance or patience. And so they're saying, you know, maybe, like hypothetically, maybe the, the amount of suffering that person is going to go through is necessary for their salvation or necessary for their character development to the degree that 
and I, I haven't come across this idea before, but I thought that that was probably uh, one of the more interesting points. But, but that's basically the two ideas that I found. One, we don't want to usurp God's authority, and secondarily, that it may be for the person's good or the good of the people around them in some fashion. I think with that argument, I think of Job. I guess, yeah. you know, that's the exactly. pretty much ex- example there. That, that's what I think about. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I do see that point, and I think there is... But I think there is more to it than that, though. I think mm-hmm. I don't think we can put a blanket statement on it and just say, yeah. you know, you've got to do this because otherwise your salvation is... You're not going to make it, man. Yeah. You're not going to make yeah. it. And look, I mean, I... In, in my own family, my grandfather, you know, he, he died of cancer and, uh, you know, some... Like, the end of everybody's life, I guess, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> but, you know, for him, he was one of the ones that, uh, you know, he died in a, in a very painful, violent sort of end. And, uh, you know, he he wrestled with God through that, like up until like the very end where he was no longer conscious or able to think. But, um, you know, he wrestled with like, like swapping between hating God for what he was going through, the pain he was going through, and also flipping back to, no, but I do, I, but I do trust God, you know, the, like the mm-hmm. Job response. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he flipped between the two, right, like right up until the end. And, you know, so I can see in his circumstance that, in a way, he did wrestle through that. But also, I, I feel like if you've made, at that point of your life, you're facing death, I, I don't see how your position is going to change a great deal. If you are if you know you're going to die, you're going through what you're going through, um, whether you end your life before you get to that point or not, one would hope you had sewed up your your uh, eternity by then. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't quite know how to factor that in. Mm-hmm. Luke, you said you saw um, scripture being taken out of context on both sides of the argument. Yeah. Are, are you, by saying that, indicating that you think there is scripture that, that is in context addressing this issue? N- not really. Not directly, not, not directly. I think you have to extrapolate if you get any of it, to be honest. I mean, mm. the, there are, um, I think, uh, like eight examples of suicide in the Old Testament, uh, as, as an example. Um, and they uh, none of them speak specifically to the... Uh, salvation of the individual. None of them say specifically that that person is lost. None of them say specifically that that person is saved. The only one we can really infer would be um, Samson because he's mentioned in the Hall of Faith as being an example um, and yet he, you could argue, committed suicide by dropping the temple on himself, you know, as in destroying the, the temple. He did. But, hey? He did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... What I'm saying is it, it doesn't say <laughs> he decided to commit suicide, but it, it does say <laughs> that, yeah, he... He willingly took an action that he knew would cost his life. Yes. Yeah. yeah you, you, you can put that in whatever brand you want to, but yeah. I don't. Mm. I don't think it. I don't think that is um, like a black and white case, though. Mm. Like Samson's case, I don't. I, like you can say yes, it was suicide because he knew that was going to be the outcome. Yes. But you can also say that there was a bigger picture at play, and so it wasn't just a case of I'm depressed, I don't want to live anymore, mm. I'm going to end my own life. Yeah. Mm. He actually saw that with ending his life, he could do good. Mm. And that doesn't mean that he didn't he didn't want to die or anything like that. But yeah, I, I oh, just no, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to break yeah. a stigma around the word. Like ultimately, the word means you know, t- having an action, doing something to take your life. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not it's not circumstantial. You could argue so, that Jesus did that, right? Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little that, bit. <laughs> that's the very reason why I'd, I was thinking let's not make black and white calls about it. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. But yeah, L- less less willing to follow you on that that trip. <laughs> I'll wait from you from the shore, bro. <laughs> if that's your boat you want to sail in. 
but anyway, the reason I asked the question about like whether there was versus in context about the issue is because I, yeah. I think I don't think there is any. Mm. Um, I don't think there's a, a black and white answer from the Bible as to what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. Um, I also don't know that verses about suicide are necessarily applicable. Yeah. Um, because in a lot of cases, this is not a decision that's in the hands of the person. Um, in a lot of cases, this is actually in the hands of the family mm. and what's right for them at that point, you know. Mm. It's not so much a, a case of suicide that you should be questioning. It's a case of, is this is this murder? It's not, is this suicide? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that's a more that's a appropriate m- question in a lot of cases. So yeah. it's not it's not like verses on suicide or verses on murder are actually necessarily applicable to the subject. Mm-hmm. I think we've got to sort of wade through some what we typically yeah. call grey area yeah. mm-hmm. um, to come to any conclusion on this. And this, can I just say, yeah. whenever we're wading through a grey area, we should have grace, yeah. you know, for the other side of mm, the um, argument. Yeah. Because if there's not a black and white answer... Yeah. Um, we need to be willing to be wrong, you know, uh, and just just have grace for other people's opinions. Mm. Yeah, I, I was coming across. Uh, I thought about this passage in uh, Proverbs thirty-one, right, where it talks about strong drink being for it's thirty-one verse six. It talks about uh, you know, uh, was talking about strong drink, and it's saying that you know, well, rulers shouldn't have it, you know, and it's it's talking against alcohol. But then it says, you know, if, if anyone's going to have it, it, have it for those that are, are dying, you know, those that are at the end of their life. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. I'm, I'm like, okay, so that's, you know, you, okay, Old Testament version of pain management, right? Yeah, so, morphine. Yeah, this is, this is morphine. This is, yeah. you know, deadening the pain. The so, like, to some degree, we're reading in Scripture that, that like, there's nothing wrong with um, seeking to bring comfort to somebody at the end of their life. And so I guess the question that I'd ask you guys is, do you think that's a long step from the kind of euthanasia that we're talking about here? Like pain management. To yeah, to the end the of life. Pain <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Because really speaking, you know, like we were saying earlier, that is already common practice in, mm-hmm. in, medical, in medical circles, right? You know, mm. where uh, when people get to the end of life, they just keep increasing pain, ma- the pain management, you know, more morphine and until such times as, you know, the morphine will bring an end to their life, yes. But, uh, you know, so, you know, you could, could you call that euthanasia? Well, you know, to an extent, I guess you could. But r- really speaking, it's just the pain management eventually interfering with their, um, their body to the degree where they do pass away. Mm. So, you know, that we see in scripture. But, you know, do we see, is there a big difference between that and, you know, end of life euthanasia? I don't have an opinion about that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. You don't have to. I, I don't have an answer. And so that's why I was asking the question. Because he, here's the thing. Okay. This is why it's uncomfortable for me and I am uncomfortable with the idea of euthanasia. So if I'm going to look at it from the perspective of it being an act of mercy on somebody, like that appeals to me because that is in harmony with the, with the character of God. Don't have a problem with that. The problem that I have is that I am scared about the fact the people that make these decisions are humans. And wherever you've got humanity, you know, there's the potential for people to be selfish, for people to make poor decisions. Yeah, the humanity side of it is the part that, that concerns me. And so um, that's and where so I find that it's it's hard to answer the so, question. So what is it about the, the human element that scares you more? Like with them making the mistakes, is it the idea of them losing their salvation through these actions? Or like, mm-hmm. w- w- what is it that yeah. that scares you about it? Well, like, at, let me, like, as one example, right? Like, obviously... <laughs> 
it depends on the legislation how far back from from death it is allowed as an mm. example but let's say that you know somebody you know who perhaps is a victim of elder abuse or something like that where their family are not treating them well and making them feel like they're a burden you know and they're not ready to go but they feel like they're such a burden that they put their hand up for it you know when they they've got still months of useful life left to them before they make that decision you know, you could make the salvation argument, you know, have they accepted Christ at that point in their life? You know, does it give them a greater um, need for that? Those oh, no, no, no. I, I was just curious as to where you're coming from. Yeah. So you, you're worried about people prematurely taking their life because of... Uh, external ex- circumstances. External circumstances. Yeah. Okay, no, that's yeah. fair enough. And another part of that, and obviously it's not so much, uh, you know, if it's legislated well enough, I guess, but I heard one example and this probably, you know, for the sake of classification, this probably comes closer to assisted suicide than it does to, um, euthanasia. But, um, there was one woman who, that I know of got, uh, a, uh, uh, terminal diagnosis and it came out later that it was actually a, a lab report mix up that she was actually totally fine, but she'd already had, committed suicide before it was found that the lab report was incorrect and she was a perfectly healthy 50 something year old lady you know so obviously that that is not you know necessarily exactly what we're talking about but there's more room for those kind of errors to happen if we legislate it as being a possibility so i'm not saying it blanket should never happen i'm just saying that it opens room for things like that to occur that don't currently have the capacity to happen Hmm. Yeah, fear is pretty crazy motivator, isn't it? Yeah. Can I ask a question about the um, legislation? Because I, I don't know anything about this, hmm. so I'm hesitant to say anything because I don't have that window of insight. But with regard to the legislation, in those places where euthanasia is legal, hmm. um, what is the process before somebody can actually voluntarily... So they've got to be assessed by at least two doctors for whatever mm-hmm. whatever condition it is. Are we talking psychiatric assessment or are we talking... I think it would really depend. I'm pretty sure it is psychiatric from what I saw in the news. This is to do with Queensland. And is it just the patient or is it the patient and their family? It was just, just the, patient. the patient. Okay. So the I, patient. Think, mm-hmm. I think that that assessment should be should be broadened not just to the patient, but to those affected by the death of the patient. Um, so, for example, um, your it's case nice, that you yeah. were talking about... No, no, oh, you, nice. the lady you're talking about yeah. that you're caseworker mm-hmm. for, right? Um, so, she's she's an elderly lady. She's suffering. We can sort of see uh, from her perspective why that would look like a good alternative, right? We, mm-hmm. we get that. Um, the question that I still have in my mind um, as to whether or not that would be a good decision on her on her behalf is... What about the people being left behind? Where are they at with it? Now, I'm not saying that they should, you know, she should have to suffer because they're not ready to let go. Mm. But I, th- I think that that should be taken into consideration when a plan is made. Mm. Mm. Did you want the steps? I've actually just sure. got them in front yeah, of that'd me. that'd be good. Yeah, so um, the person has to make the request. So there's a huge amount of um, I imagine ticks they've got to make. Mm. So l- l- let's just start with like... Um, what boxes they've actually got to fit into. So uh, they must be, it's an assist, voluntary assisted dying for adults with decision-making capacity who are suffering from incurable diseases expected to cause death in six to 12 months. Uh, sorry, in six months or less or 12 months in the case of neurodegenerative uh, diseases where the suffering cannot be otherwise alleviated in a way that is acceptable to the person. So how that wor- how that starts off though, so you know, uh, to be eligible must be 18 or older 
Um, obviously, you've got to be an Australian citizen, resident of Victoria for 12 months, decision-making capacity, suffer from those diseases and are suffering in a way that cannot be relieved in a way that is tolerable to the person. The steps they go through is they make a request to their medical practitioner, must be then assessed by a coordinating medical um, practitioner and an additional consulting medical uh, practitioner as eligible. So then there's a whole other eligibility on which practitioners are eligible to have these conversations with. So that's that. So far, that's to t- determine whether or not they are terminal. Wh- whether they're even eligible to f- meet the criteria as a terminal, everything like that. So, yeah. th- th- so that's a, a physical assessment at this point. Y- yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's no psych... Well... I don't know. They, they might have a psychiatric evaluation. I don't have that in that front of me. That sounds more like they're trying to prove that there's no, like you say, Luke, no mistakes being made. Mm-hmm. So which trying which to makes sense because I, yeah. I think that's the, the fear. I, I, had, I lost someone in a similar circumstance to you at a, at a young age, a, a childhood friend who took their life because of a wrong diagnosis. Right. Now, you know, um, and, and his fear was obviously he didn't want his family or friends to see him go through uh, a terminal illness. Yeah. Um, but moving forward with some of these is uh, the person makes the final request with the last coordinating medical practitioner. Um, then they must appoint an adult contact who has the obligation to return um, any of the, the stuff they leave behind to pharmacies, everything like that. Um, so kind of like an, pretty much would be your um, everlasting power of attorney kind of all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Then there's forms that have obviously got to be submitted, filed, everything like that by both the medical practitioners. Um, and then, yeah, you go through the regulations. And once that all ticks off, you know, there's those 12 process, uh, twelve steps. And it, it's ultimately uh, covering your backside yeah. from the health point of view. They, they need to make sure when they, when they uh, push the button... Um, you know, that yeah, everything is... Which, which is fair, because unfortunately that's the world we live in. It's not... You know, yeah, and to be fair to them, it's not just to cover their backside from a legal perspective. It's also because they do care. Well, that's right. And you did. You, sorry, I, 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 live, I live with this. I live with this frame over mind that you know, there's people out there trying to rot systems and things like yeah. that. And unfortunately, and that's definitely part of it. Everyone's got to their bring that humanity up. back in. As no, well. no, of course, of course. And and I think that's why they would make sure that there's multiple points of contact. Yeah. Because you know, perhaps someone might feel like this kind of blase relation with their health with maybe their existing doctor but then when they have to see that that second doctor that third doctor um and there's different points of view maybe they might find that there's other manageable ways you know different perspectives you know maybe the first doctor hasn't thought of another way for for pain relief or 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 another way to try um and then they get these points in others and that's not to say the first doctor was wrong you know but we've all got different ways of trying to treat things and doctors would be in the exact same boat so of course by multiple um you know coordinations and things like that it gives that patient the at least the most optimal line of trying to make sure there is a recovery before they continue yeah. down that path yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's interesting because um i think the way like you get given a, a vial or tablets or whatever Tablet. it is and you administer it yourself i think that's the mode that's used mm. and i was talking to dad about this last night who's a nurse of 20 plus years he's currently a don of a hospital just for context mm. um and he said that a large percentage i don't know the number of people who go through that entire process which like matt described is like mm. quite lengthy and pretty thorough mm. they don't actually end up using it yeah because and i think and i can't speak 
out of experience, obviously, but I think it's down to that fear aspect as well. Mm. Like they feel like they're trapped in this diagnosis. Mm. But if you have that option, part of the fear goes away because you've got an out. Yeah. You've got a degree of control again over a situation that's out that of you had, control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so, really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. The reason I asked the question about psychiatric evaluation is because I think that one of the steps that must be done and if it's not then you know it it, it should be is um, getting that objective perspective because obviously if you're suffering or if you're the family member of someone that's suffering you're already inclined in a certain direction you know mm. it doesn't matter which direction yeah. but you're inclined in a certain direction by your relationship to that pain Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it would be it would make a lot of sense to get the objective medical perspectives and also some just some objective psychiatric perspectives. So is, can can I just ask one thing? When you're talking about like the family should be assessed and checked as well, if in what way do you think like as a, are they mentally prepared for the loss of their their family member, or are you talking about well, like are they in a position where they can make these uh, assist in these decisions as well? Well, I, it's a good question um, because I guess I'm, I'm coming at this from a, um, a framework that I haven't shared yet. I think a better alternative um, would be for the family to care for their loved one um, as long as, as that's physically possible. I think that would be a better alternative. But that's not always going to be a possibility, right? Not, not every family is going to be kitted out for that. Not every situation is going to be suitable. Hmm. Some of the, the types of care are not going to be administrable from home. They're going to have to be done in a hospital. Hmm. And so there's going to be different, different levels of experience. So it's not going to be a clear-cut answer to your question, I'm sorry. Hmm. But I'm just, I'm just asking that question because I think if, for example, somebody's been given six months to live, they are suffering pain, they can be medicated for that pain, um, but they do ne- they do require a certain level of care, um, and the family were ne- not necessarily administering that care beforehand. Hmm. But after evaluation, the family realised they'd like to be a part of that. Say it's their parent, their parents last you know six months um, by actively ministering to them um, to to sort of give back if you like to their family member. Um, I think that would be a much better way to go for everybody in- involved. Um, now, and I, I don't, again, I'm not saying this across the board because there are going to be some situations that's going to be too traumatic for that to be the case, right? But in a situation where that's appropriate, okay, hmm. that's my caveat. Hmm. In a situation where that's appropriate, I think that would be really healthy for everyone on board because I, I've seen situations where um, there's, like, I know, I know families who have children, for example, who have <coughs> disabilities that disable them from being able to have a normal life. And the amount of care that goes involved, uh, goes into um, to ministering to that young person who are not so young anymore, um, just to get through daily life is incredible, right? And that's such a big sacrifice for that family. But if you ask them if they would change that, like if they would, if they would, if they could, you know, have a normal child in place of that, you know, disabled child, Everyone that I've spoken to would say, no, absolutely not. We would have the disabled child. Why? Because it's made them better people, one, and, and because they get, to, they get to be involved in the care of their child. And I know, again, I know this is not going to apply to everybody, mm. but I think wherever possible, it would make sense to me to be able to, to provide that level of care for a person, even if they are terminally ill, 
um, to be able to a you know have that experience yourself where you're becoming a better person through interacting with suffering and struggle and having to go outside of your comfort zone for example you know because mm. those some of those situations like you know I remember when my nan was getting close to passing away she'd lost most of her mental capacity you know she she couldn't remember her own kids she couldn't remember any of us grandkids um, and and that was hard you know spending time with your nan and her every five minutes having to ask who you were um, that's tough you know and mm. for her children even tougher mm. um, but you know do you do you go through that tough time in order to spend those last moments with her whilst you know that her pain was being medicated you know she, she was without pain meds she would have been it, you would have wanted to, to euthanize hmm. um, but through pain medication you were able to go through that now that was a tough time for the family that was really tough for those that were particularly looking after her directly um, but I think character character wise and also just for closure that was a really good opportunity I don't know I'm rambling hmm. but I think hmm. like, what I'm trying to communicate and I'm trying to do it sensitively and so I'm probably using more words than I need to hmm. but what I'm trying to communicate is that um euthanasia might be a valid option but it might not always be the best option hmm. and so i guess i feel that there should be some protocol in place to make sure that the family are sure and the person is sure that it is the best option before they decide if that makes sense right from everybody's perspective not just the person who's suffering right because hmm. if their pain can be medicated and their family is happy to to spend the last six or 12 months giving that them, support yeah, providing the yeah. service of support hmm. Then why would you take that away from them? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you just there. There is no blanket statement that right. covers. It's so situational, which is what I think you're getting at. Yes. Yeah, I think I think the scenario you're describing, Dave, is is the ideal. Right. You know, I, I don't think um, anyone, if they were to put themselves in those shoes, um, would, would say that's a bad scenario. Mm. Um, but that's not every scenario. It, it isn't, no. unfortunately, and you know, and and sometimes it's even cultural. Like we're we're taught that once they get, you know, like old people, once they get to a point where they can't care for themselves, well, you just chuck them in a nursing home and when they get too bad for a nursing home, they just go into the palliative ward and they just sit there and they wait for Which the end. Which is horrendous. Of course, of course. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a cultural norm. Yeah. You'll agree with me with yeah. that, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. I'm, you know? just, I'm just and calling so out that that culture is rubbish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though that's our culture. Yeah, no, yeah. no, look, I, mm. I hear you. But yeah, yeah th this is then where perhaps like this idea of euthanasia becomes almost seeming more more valid um, and easier to, to do. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm against it, of course, you know, but it's more like, oh, well, you know, if all I got to do is live to die, like, you know, the lady that yeah. Matt was talking about earlier, well, of course, the family's not there with her and she's just getting up. She's having limited interactions with people. We know that our aged care sectors are horribly understaffed and I'm sure that's not an Australian problem. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be an international issue. Well, you think so we'd have some of the better worldwide and we know we've got some yeah. of the you know some yeah. horrendous things that happen in yeah. aged care homes so you know keeping that in super so, understaffed hey, yeah <laughs> well coming coming at it from i guess what what i do for a living is i do provide i guess those services to keep especially over 65s in their home and that would include and just recently i had a gentleman 86 years old um uh, he was palliative and it was the day before he died. I went and saw him and I still managed to get a laugh out of him. I still remember him, still remember his face. And it was great as Dave was saying to see the family there supporting him. Mm. And um, he was able to stay up to, in his home. We were able to facilitate that pretty much till the day before he died. Then he had to go in hospital for those final yeah. 
you know, final moments. So I do, un- yeah, I do see what you're saying, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And again, I want to reiterate, I, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not saying that mm. that's going to apply to every situation. No, there no. are definitely going to be some mm. where the best thing to do for the person is to put them out of their misery. Mm. Definitely, there will be some. Yeah. But I think we need to be very careful about which ones. That's my only mm-hmm. yeah. objection. Yeah. And I mean, one of the other things that I know when, uh, just as an example, you know, when, when Sarah was in hospital a couple of years ago and, you know, when she was, like, she was in a coma for a while and, and she said afterwards when she came out, she said she can totally understand people wanting that mm. because when you're you're drugged up, you don't quite know what's going on, you just get to the place where it's like, I just want everyone to leave me alone. Just stop. Just you know, stop touching me. Stop helping me. You know, if it, if I, if I die, that's okay. Like I just want this to stop. You know, you have that sense, and so I think it's really important that those checks and measures are in place because when people are in in a compromised condition, they may just want the pain to stop when they don't understand that it's either temporary or whatever it may be. So we need to pain um, is in itself a mind altering drug. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. It changes your perception of, of what's what's good and best and right for you. So. Yeah. So can I, can I make a, a statement maybe to try and help bring us towards some point of a landing zone? Mm. And I'm not even entirely sure where this statement's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's normal for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've usually got a target that I'm aiming for when I throw these statements out. Landing Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it is a Jesus, take the wheel, because this could go horribly two ways. I'm not even sure that it going either of these ways is a good solution. So I'm not even sure it's going to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to put this disclosure a disclosure out because so, so okay, so now you're doing disclosures. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty terrified of, of what can happen with this statement. But all right, will you just say it already, <laughs> mate? Editing one on one. Just edit me down. I'm getting to it. Peace be upon you, brother. All right. So I think what we're all trying to say is that we're not saying that euthanasia is inherently an evil or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that, you know, God is would like, you know, have a completely negative view. But at the same time too, we are also trying to say that it may not be the best option available and that we shouldn't treat it lightly because yeah. we do believe that life is sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I don't understand what was so controversial about that, mate. <laughs> no, we all you, agree with you, that. You yeah. did quite well at you know, bringing your political practice <laughs> back into play there. You, you left it behind at dinner time, but you, you've got it back. That was a mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. And can I ask you guys a question? What would, what would you want mm. if you were in that situation? Oh. Can I half answer that? I, I thought about this. No, I'm no. accept full <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, I'm answering it with a question. Oh, so, Jesus. you know, just say, you know, I've got six months to live, yada, yada, yada. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't want to be... Your doctor's a bit blase. <laughs> <laughs> and I pray to God and I say, please take my life because I don't want to go through this pain. Right. And he doesn't. Does that mean it's God's will for me to suffer that pain? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, but... No, 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 no. Because sometimes we, I, we give God to... ultimatums that, that he didn't need, yeah. right? Yeah, mm. but then, he, you know, this is, this is my life. It's the very end, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, I, I'm so, not, I don't have an answer for this. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Well, I've got an answer. So last week I was um, supporting our church pastor at an end-of-life program, um, and that was, that was pretty full-on. And I... Th- literally put myself in the shoes of the man I was watching die in front of me um, and thinking like, how would I feel, you know, in this circumstance watching um, 
like having my kids here, having my parents here, watching me go through this excruciating pain. You know, it was obviously cancer that had got horrible. It was through the spine, it was into his lungs, everything like that. It was just shutting his body down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a painless way to go. Mm-hmm. The pain was getting to a point where, like we were saying earlier, Luke, that ultimately mm-hmm. they just had to up and up and up the dosage until that finally ended him. Um, you know, he knew about that diagnosis three, four months ago that, you know, it was, it was going to be here. I think I would like to try and see how far I could get to make my peace with people, mm-hmm. to ensure that everything, that my affairs were in order, so to speak. But knowing that, you know, that, that there was a point where pretty much they said, you know, this is your last week. Mm-hmm. You know, they can, they do their, their, um, their obs, they do like, you know, their, their checks, their observations and checks and stuff like that. And, and they can see the body shutting down. Mm-hmm. You know, every scan they took was just progressively worse and worse. And I think at that point I would, I would be happier to, to exit the game, yeah. so to speak, um, to save my family the pain of watching me lose my cognitive ability mm-hmm. and just kind of be very reactive in the pain, mm-hmm. you know, because um, that was probably the hardest thing to, to help support the family with was in that last six hours, you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't with us really, you know, like there, he, he was not responsive yeah. yet. He was just reactive to the pain that was in his body, yeah. you know, and that was obviously an extremely hard thing for the family to try and support and watch and be present for, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So I, I would prefer to save my family that, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that I, I wouldn't want my kids to, to see me go through a stage like that. And I wouldn't want my parents to go through a, a stage if they were still around and I was passing to go through a stage like that. I would much rather go out as me mm-hmm. um, where I've had the ability to say my final goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's one of those things, uh, and I think you might have said this earlier, De Rossi, that you know you don't know unless you're there, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah. None of us are going to be able to say exactly what it would be like if we were in those shoes. But I, you know, at least with the understanding that I have currently, like I, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I think that I would, I would go as close to the end as as possible to make sure all of those things were set up and you know everything was good and my family was okay and like all, all of those sort of things. But I would also want to spare them and myself that last part. Yeah, so the, like the final, the three the, days the, the final. Yeah, the final mm-hmm. death throes. I just don't. I don't think that that's kind for others to to see if they don't have to. You know, I, I mean, I've you know, I don't want to tell other people's stories without asking them. But you know, there are people in my own family who have seen that, and and it has left uh, a very negative impact on them because of what they've seen. And yeah, if if I had my choice, I wouldn't want my family to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely concur with that. I'm thinking back to a passing of my grandfather. Um, about two weeks before he died, he was he was ready to go. He'd basically given up, and you could see his his health begin to diminish after he'd mm. given up. He um, his organs were beginning to fail, but what ultimately finished him off was pneumonia in his lungs, and particularly that last week, it was very hard to watch him as he went because he was gasping for air with every breath even with the oxygen on him hmm. and it was very traumatic for my family myself i mean i think i think it took me about two years before i was comfortable setting foot in the hospital again yeah it it was not a pleasant experience and 
um, I would have done anything to remove that suffering from him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, as we, I, I feel like we're getting toward the end of our discussion now, but uh, just to just to say this, I think what we're, what we're saying is that ultimately there's nothing plain in scripture that speaks about this for us to use. And so we really need to use our sanctified understanding of, of who God is, what he's like, and extrapolate that. And I think by the sound of it, you know, most of us have had a degree of experience that, that we innately can see that the merciful thing to do would be what God himself would want. Now, if you're convicted and you're listening to this and you're convicted that, no, life is sacred and I'm going to hold on till the end, that's great. Do that. You know, that there is nothing to say that that can't be the case. But um, we're also saying that it's not as black and white as no. people would love this issue to be. And as it, as I, I saw a quote that, that really stood out to me, and it says, you know, there are deeper moral issues associated with death than the length of life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we've got, to, we've got to wrestle with that for ourselves. Yeah, and I was just thinking on that um, as you guys were sharing your more personal stories mm. that I think we've got to be careful not to make death I don't know what the right word is, but like too clean mm-hmm. because in mm. death it reminds us of the sin that we all have to like live with and deal with. Mm. Yeah. And not that we want people to be suffering, but I think those experiences um, that you guys will be sharing like really remind you of like what we're actually struggling with. Mm. I think it shows how unnatural death is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Because ultimately we weren't created with death in mind. No, yeah. so it's that, the intruder. That, that's, that's probably the hardest thing to deal with, which probably... Like you said, Luke makes this such a contentious issue. Yeah, mm. and I don't know what you guys feel, but there's always a, a sense of emotion there. Like I don't know, do you feel the same? Like yeah. I've, I've even this discussion feels heavy. Discussion, yeah. It, it is yeah. feels very heavy. Like you, you don't know if you want to laugh or you want to cry. You don't know because it's yeah, you, you, so, so it's much conflated. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard, but uh, I'm glad we had that conversation. Though. Yeah. Um, I know you want to wrap this up, but I have a couple of other things I wanted to say, Luke. Yeah, man, go. Is that okay. Yeah, that's let's let's um, do it. So first of all, I just wanted to spin that question around on its head and say, all right, so you guys that answered the question all feel like you would, you would want to go hmm. um, to save your family from suffering. Hmm. What if that wasn't the wish of your family? Because sometimes hmm. they want... They want to yes. be there with you until the end. They don't want mm, that to yeah. end prematurely. Oh, mm. Especially when I worked on the wards, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, mum's having a full thing of custard. She's eating. There's life there yet. Yeah. And mm. it's like, no, no, you're just shoving it down her throat. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, and I don't think there's an answer to that question, by the way. Mm. I, I don't think we should or could, you know, give a, a definitive answer. Mm. But I think it's important to see that there's two sides to the question. Yeah. And I almost feel like, one way you could deal with it would be for both um, people to be evaluated, like I was talking about earlier, from a psychiatric perspective. Where are they at with this? Are they thinking clearly? But both separately and both giving their you know, desired outcome separately and then seeing if the two things match or don't match before making a decision. Because I think if, if, you, know, if you could take the wishes of your loved one out of the scenario for a moment and just think, what do I want? Hmm. Um, and, and just be honest. Um, like for the person that's dying, I think in a, a lot of cases, it's probably going to be exactly what you guys said. They're just going to want to go. They don't want their family to remember them suffering. Hmm. But if that's what their family want um, and, and they share that you know, to, to a third party, 
um, then maybe there could be further communication going on to, to see if they could, there could be, you know, an ultimate decision made that was that suited everybody. And again, mm. I know that's not always going to be possible. Mm. Um, but at least you're creating a forum where it's possible to talk about it, right? Right. Because I think if you have the conversation with everybody in the room, you're not necessarily going to get an honest answer. Mm. You think that's fair to say? Mm. Yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. So, somebody's going to let their opinion you know slide submit to others yeah. for the sake of someone else yeah. and the only problem with that I don't mind people's opinions sliding but the only problem with that is they got to live with that mm-hmm. when the person's gone it's better to deal with it before the fact right. than after because you could potentially experience more trauma from not knowing whether you made the right decision mm-hmm. than from seeing what you guys saw um, mm-hmm. when you know you guys were relating experiences where somebody suffered potentially longer than they needed to yeah so i'm not saying that we should let people suffer as long as possible but i'm just saying a decision i think needs to be more rounded than just you know what's right for me as the person suffering or what's right for me as the family member of the person suffering mm. and there should be some form of collective decision made and i don't know how to do that but I'm well just that out there yeah <laughs> one of the things you can actually look at doing is an advanced health directive so if this happens i want this done that sort of thing um, I mean, we have DNRs and things like that today, so... I'm not sure if I sit comfortable with that either, though, because oh, okay. how are you going to know? How are you well, going to know what you're going to want? Well, the thing is, you know, from what I understand, um, families can ultimately override a lot of it, but at least gives them a direction that yeah. um, to go with. Yeah. Because if, if you, if you want to go and the family's um, busy sitting there and thinking, should I or shouldn't I... And they ultimately decide um, it, it must be difficult for them because ultimately they don't know what your wishes are because you could be beyond being able to communicate that and they could yeah, feel okay. awful. It yeah. at least gives them a guide. I see it from that perspective, definitely, because it gives an opportunity for you to have a voice when you don't have one. At the very mm. least, have a conversation with your family before you get to that point. I think that's probably the key thing you're, you're saying, Dave, is there needs to be some sort of a dialogue. Yeah around yeah. this and just, especially just because everyone has to sit with the decision absolutely mm-hmm. you know and, and maybe that's more a conversation that we're looking to encourage yeah. Uh, yeah. leaving the table now mm. is between those who are maybe getting closer to the issue than, than others yeah. is start talking to your loved ones you know not just the ones who seem directly um, impacted not maybe just the concerned mm. person but the family around them as well and ensure that they feel supported too because regardless of if they're going to go through euthanasia or wait till the end, they're going to need support regardless. And, and you know, let's put euthanasia out of the conversation for a minute and just what do they want as far as care yeah. when they're no longer able to care for themselves? Like, Do they, do they want a stranger caring for them? I yeah, think well, most people probably not. No, well, look, I, I think most people, like when you talk to them, you know, like you hear these stories of, you know, someone being taken from the palliative unit at a nursing home to the hospital and they ask the ambulance drivers hey can you take me to the beach that one last time you know and they get that there's those like you know pictures those those stories that they're you know taken past a a garden or they're taken to the beach that one last time Mm -hmm. you know i think ideally if you were to imagine you know what you wanted to be your last breath it would be something that resonates with you you'd love to to pass in a scenario around that now you know modern health makes that very hard because of you know how they how they want to ensure that someone's cared for adequately um, but, you know, I think that's right. I think it's, it's key that, you know, whatever care they, they need getting up to there, that you can, there's an assisting for facilitating that. But it's also support for, for families and, yeah, I guess and I, the loved ones I guess behind. what I'm trying to say is if, if you've got someone in your family who's, not, who's remotely close to needing care, I 
think you need to have a conversation about it and and start to think about whether you can make that part of your lifestyle mm. you know to, to be there for your family members you know to to you might not necessarily be trained to give them all the medical care that they need but maybe you can be there for them be present keep them at home at your home uh, and have a carer come in as long as possible so they get to stay at home rather than shipping them off to a nursing home, as you were saying before, as an option. So I think just to... I just uh, think take responsibility for yeah. your family is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think one of the unintended conclusions that I think we'll, we'll start to wrap this with um, is just that ultimately, one, you know, communicate with each other, but don't, don't leave things unsaid, don't leave things undone, you know... It doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, right at the end of your life or not. Even if you're a young person, it's never, it's never too early for you to be at peace with the people that are around you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, rec- you know, reconcile those those differences. You know, see see to it that those issues are resolved as much as you can. You may not be able to resolve everything because you know you're only one part of any relationship. But you know, as as much as lies with you. Be at peace. Have the conversations if if you're in that that season of life. But ultimately, where at least euthanasia is concerned, we're saying that it's a bigger issue. It's not just do you choose to end your life or not. It it is attached to the rest of your life and the people that are in it. And so we need to be thoughtful about yeah. all of that. And also not condemn others for having a different mm. perspective on that. Can I pull you up a second time and say I'm not quite ready for you to wrap? Yeah, if you if you must. <laughs> I just wanted to address something that we sort of left behind before, and that was the question about salvation. Yeah. I don't even think that should come into the conversation mm-hmm. personally. I, I don't think um, God is that anal that He's going to decide on your personal salvation based, based off on how you die, based on a decision like that. You know, yeah. and I I certainly don't think that your salvation is going to be compromised if you make that decision for a family member thinking it was in their best interest and being wrong yeah. you know mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that's the god that, that the bible describes yeah. um, so i think take that out of the conversation discount that completely mm-hmm. and, and make focus it on about the, other the issues. here and the now yeah. you know what's right for the here and the now for everybody who's involved yeah. Mm. yeah i don't know i just i felt like that was important to say i think yeah, that's a good point for us good. to wrap with mm. well anyway we're going to leave that there thank you so much for riding out this very heavy episode with us um we hope to see you guys next week come back and join us then and uh, we will see you then god bless And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so i would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that i'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now 
Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.